1: I'm J.B. Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited to the availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, from HowStuffWorks.com.
3: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb.
2: And I'm Julie Douglas.
3: I really thought you were going to go for a, a nickname there. You Sometimes you throw in a, a cool, uh, on-topic nickname.
2: I can't really think of anything. Yeah. Of Julie Dumpsey Douglas?
3: Maybe. Julie maybe. That could work.
2: Bag of Oranges Douglas?
3: Yeah. These would be your, your mafia names, your, your your mobster personas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Julie, bat in the corner, Douglas. Bat in the corner? Like a bat, baseball
3: bat? Oh, I was thinking an actual bat, since we just did an episode on Vampire Bats. Oh, uh, no, so, no, no. It's like, I got a bat in the corner here. Yeah, this, this guy might be Rabbit. I'll I'll just unleash him at you any moment. You That's have to nice. go get a rabies shot and everything.
2: Going for the jugular. Yeah. yeah. Sure. All right. Or maybe we, we can just call me Joe Pesci.
3: Joe Pesci. Okay. Yeah. Maybe.
2: Forever associated with all mafia movies. That's
3: right. Very, very typecast that man.
2: Yeah. yeah.
3: Uh So, if you haven't guessed already, or bothered to read the title of the podcast, we are, of course, talking about the Cuckoo Mafia. We're talking about the Animal Mafia. We're talking a little bit about the the Human Mafia mm-hmm. as well, uh, in the various forms one encounters it.
2: Yeah, because you do. If you actually take this uh, system, this organized system, and you begin to really peel back the layers, you can see it in all different places in society. Right.
3: Yeah, you you really begin to see mafia, organized crime, and it is not this, uh, bunch of stereotypical looking guys, Mm-mm. uh, you know, Joe Pesci's and, uh, and, and their, their ilk standing in the corner and doing very stereotypical things. You see it as kind of a, an economic model mm-hmm. that is spread not only through all human culture, but even into the animal world.
2: Well, I was gonna say, like, even in our break room, you have Jonathan Strickland there who, you know, you gotta, Put money in a certain place in the the break room, right, to get mm-hmm. access to the coffee.
3: Ah, uh, yes, the coffee. Right? Or else loves.
2: there's no more coffee. And that's just the way it is, right? If you want your coffee supply fresh and you want it every day, then Strickland gets his payment.
3: Right. Or the way that when we bring our yogurts in, we always have to bring in that one extra yogurt because uh, one Christian Conger insists on having, quote, just enough to wet her beak.
2: Otherwise, Otherwise, all
3: happens? the yogurt winds up on the floor. <laughs> all of it. And it's, right. it's, it's disgusting and it, and it, and it really takes it out of you because like that was delicious yogurt and it all went to waste. And why? Because I wasn't willing to put up with just a little yogurt loss in my diet each week.
2: That's right. Everybody loses the yogurt if you do not supply it for Kristen. All right. So we are not trying to glorify the mafia, which is not actually, if you think about mafia, that is a huge umbrella term under which many different organizations from different cultures around the world huddle underneath and we tend to think of the Godfather and then this quaint group of men just playing checkers in their undershirts. Um, but worldwide, we see mafia doing different types of damage in the way of human trafficking, yeah. illegal wildlife trading, uh, drugs, of course, to just to name a few. So we want to put that out there. This is not glorifying. Uh, the Mafia, but we just wanted to kind of cover how they work in the world so that we have a better understanding of how animals may be doing the, the same sort of uh, strategies and tactics that the Mafia is.
3: Indeed, yeah. I, and I should add, I, I, I love the Godfather movies. Those are, those are some great films. And there are a few other organized crime pieces here and there that I've really enjoyed over the years. But I, I find more and more I just cannot watch films or get involved in, in media that is about those sort of stereotypical Gangster characters this is one of the reasons I never even could uh, manage to watch The Sopranos, even though I know The Sopranos is supposed <sighs> to be brilliant. Such it,
2: good writing.
3: I know. I know. But at, the, at heart, it's about these uh, these these criminal guys that I've seen are, you know, I'm sure less um, artistically solid takes on them so many times before. It's like I just don't have any more room for it. Like, I, I'm not convinced there's anything new that I can gain from characters that are even partially cast from this mold.
2: All right, well, let's talk about this mold, because when we talk about the mafia, we are essentially talking about cosa nostra, which is roughly translated as our thing, which is kind of this closed circuit within a criminal syndicate. And when we talk about these criminal syndicates, we're really talking about, at least in this old usage of that term, um, in southern Italy, Sicily, these different neighborhoods in which certain families lorded over those communities. And... I thought this was really interesting. I found this little tidbit of John Gotti talking to some of his subordinates uh-huh. about Cosa Nostra. And um this was right before he got ratted out by a bunch of people. And he says, This is going to be Cosa Nostra till I die. Okay, I'm going to quit doing that. <laughs> um Be it an hour from now, or be it tonight, or a hundred years from now, when I'm in jail, it's going to be a Cosa Nostra. Some guys, some people downstairs, he's referring to the nightclub below, now who I know who's, Beep. Stomach is rotten. I know whose stomach ain't rotten. You could, I could smell it the way a dog senses when a guy's got fear. Hmm. Okay, that's not just for local color to give you an idea of what the mafia sounds like, because everybody probably already knows that. Um, but I thought that that conversation, just that little excerpt, spoke volumes about the environment of fear and implied violence that would come to those who crossed the code. Yeah there you see uh, um, the beginnings of a system that's keeping everybody in check.
3: Because at heart, it is a a parasitic relationship. It is a a parasite feeding upon the host. But on top of that, we have this layer of fear and intimidation, which, and it comes down to an an economic model. I mean, just think of just your average mafia scenario from a thousand movies, right? Some Mm -hmm. guy's running a shop and some, uh, uh, you know, Individual walks in, perhaps with a heavy behind him, and says, "Hey, uh, you got a nice shop here. It'd be a pity if something happened to it. I can prevent things, bad things, from happening to it if you give me X amount of dollars, you know, per per month. So it comes down to, all right, which if I'm going to expend, I'm going to have to waste some energy, ex- expend some energy mm-hmm. to pay this man.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: All right. So we we put how much we stack that money up on the counter. But then if I were to resist this individual. I would have to expend even more energy, right? I would right. have to somehow fight him back physically or align with those who would. And and then that comes with inherent risks. So it comes down to uh, just an economic decision, which is easier and which entails less risk.
2: And the interesting thing about this is that within this code, this system, there's a kind of justice that is doled out, mm-hmm. particularly if you are in the mafia um, landscape, right? You And you're one of the enforcers. If the person doesn't pay up, there's a justice, you know, you're not your restaurant's not going to run very well pretty right. soon. Maybe your brother won't get that promotion. You know, there are things that benefit the person who's paying, not just um, just the maintenance of their restaurant, but perhaps their social stature.
3: Right, and, there, and and often there is some degree of protection there, uh, mm-hmm. certainly from other nefarious individuals. Like, you're probably not going to be paying two protection rackets to two different parasitic uh, mafia dudes. You're going to be paying one dude, and that dude is going to keep the other dude off your back because you are now part of his turf.
2: Ah, so that's a great point, that safety element. So that kind of comes down to this idea of what is altruism. And we should probably do another episode um, that is completely different dedicated to altruism, because it's very interesting. Um, but there's this idea of altruistic punishment versus selfish on selfish punishment, which is what the mafia does, right? That selfish unselfish. And according to Princeton University and University of Arizona researchers, society's rule against selfishness, or rules rather, are rooted in the very exploitation that they condemn. And it may be that the reason that some of the selfish, unselfish um, justice, punishment comes down the pike is because it's a resources issue at the end of the day. It's a little bit easier to cede control to a couple of really influential um, peddlers out there in the community and say uh, rather than really be engaged civically and try to mete out justice in a way that is thoughtful and community minded.
3: Yeah, because on on one hand, with the altruistic punishment model, you have the idea of, uh, you know, like the wise, benevolent mayor of the town saying, oh, well, if you break the rules, they're gonna be, uh, gonna, there's gonna be a cost, or, you know, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna wind up in the jail cell, you're gonna wind up with a, with a fine, or you're gonna be expelled, what have you. And then on the, uh, on the selfish, unselfish, uh, side that we're looking at, the mafia punishment, that is one guy saying, hey, these people are my turf, you can't mess with them, that's what I do. You can't, uh, exploit them because I am exploiting them to the degree that, uh, I can get away with it.
2: Yeah, and this system of altruism, uh, was actually reported in the journal Evolution and, uh, what they did is they, they took a simulation model that gauged how a community withstands a system built on altruistic punishment or selfish unselfish punishment and they did. They found that that, um, that kind of Altruistic punishment in which the the community comes together and is very civic minded does demand a lot of resources. And that is perhaps why systems like the mafia tend to do really well, because as a result, there is a lower instance of crime overall in that community Mm -hmm. against citizens. So you may say, okay, a couple people become fat cats and they're awful and they do some terrible things, but as a whole the community is protected.
3: Yes, and what was, what's really fascinating about this, uh, this uh, Princeton University, University of Arizona study was how they, they draw in that idea that not only does the, uh, the the simpler economic model again is that is the, the the fat cat model, the mafia model, as opposed to the altruistic ruler model, but their idea that we get that that more altruistic version of civilization and society emerges from the fat cat model. It evolves over time, and and you really see this if you sort of squint your eyes and and really think about the systems of power in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the difference between the the mafia boss who keeps things under wrap but is getting plenty on the side, is living very comfortable at the top? What is the difference between that dude, that Joe Pesci mm-hmm. sort of typecast character, and a government? What's the difference between that dude and a corporation? What's the difference between that dude and just a, you know, your average local nice guy employer? Like, there are elements of the same model, Everywhere you look.
2: Well, yeah, and talk about influence peddlers and fat cats. If you're talking about lobbyists, and I'm not saying that all lobbyists are working outside of the margins, but we have a couple of cases under our belt that we can point to lobbyists having tremendous wealth and mm-hmm. power and essentially some people looking at it this way, buying politicians, uh, literally buying them uh, by offering them money or goods, um, or maybe just even their influence is so great that they have that politician in their pocket.
3: Now to, let's get out of the uh, the mafia model uh, for a moment and let's get into uh, a more medieval model.
2: Which actually yeah I mean this this predates the mafia, right? Yep. And uh medieval knights basically a military order created in 1129 to protect Christian pilgrims visiting Jerusalem. I'm talking about the Knights Templar. They branched out over time in Western Europe and they created a network of banks that enabled religious pilgrims to deposit assets in their home countries and then withdraw the funds in the Holy Land, right? So what do you have over time? You have the Knights Templar gaining huge amounts of financial resources, and we still have that protection element in there. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden the threat becomes, and sometimes it's not even, the threat is so pervasive, they don't even have to say it. If you don't pay up, if you don't give it to the Knights Templar, perhaps something bad will befall you.
3: In the Knights Templars model is an interesting one to look at, too, because, of course, the Knights Templars did reach that point. We were talking about at what point do, do I say it's actually worth the effort to break down this organization? And that eventually occurred. The Catholic Church, of course, eradicated the Templars um, after a while. So, and, and you can definitely make the argument that this is a case of one fat cat looking over <laughs> yes. the other fat cat and you know, you know what you used to be a smaller cat in our feral community but now you're a little too big you're a little too powerful and uh and uh, and we're going to see that you uh go away and i don't want to put it all on the uh, the uh, catholic church uh, the, the king of france also played a substantial role in that scenario as well
2: but that does go back to um that mathematical model in which we're talking about two people those two fat cats that are trying to cancel each other out right and, and say at the end of the day, their CODA rules.
3: Yeah, because everybody can't be a fat cat. And you can only have so many parasites living off the host. Uh, and and so there's there's a careful balance that has to be maintained and again, you can look to governmental models, you can look to uh, big business and you see very similar things. There can only be so many dominant players in in a, in a particular commercial market, and what do they do there's a certain amount of competition they will tolerate, and then uh, there are certain uh, certain types of competition that they will readily feast upon or destroy.
2: All right, we're going to take a quick break and when we get back, we're going to talk about cuckoo birds. Yes. We're gonna talk about their spaghetti dinners and their back rooms Alright, we're back. Before we start talking about our fine feathered friends, let's talk about tree wasps and cancer cells, because they do actually have something to do with this whole mafioso system.
3: Indeed, we, uh, now wasps engage in, uh, in some of the other practices we're going to discuss uh, uh, shortly, but tree wasps, uh, uh, have been observed that police hives to make sure that no member other than the queen lays eggs. And these same police, though, will often lay illicit eggs themselves. So it's the case where it's my job to, uh, to lay down the law. But since I'm the one laying down the law, I'm the one who can bend it a bit.
2: Indeed. And so it's kind of interesting. I'll just slip in a couple of my eggs. That's yeah. all right. I'm the influence peddler here. Exactly. And then in terms of cancer cells, we know that mutations in a cell's own DNA initiate the changes that put it on a really destructive path. But it's a lot more nuanced than that because the microenvironment of a tumor acts like a kind of co-conspirator. And we won't get way into this because we could dedicate an entire podcast to this. But essentially what you see are cancer cells that will prevent other tumors from forming, as if to say, no, 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 this is my, my tumor corner here uh, which you know essentially at the same time is kind of a good thing cause there's no right. more tumors that are forming, but you see this again in nature, and you see it best in birds,
3: ah, yes, and that of course is why we call this episode the Cuckoo Mafia because uh we see some really fascinating birds that uh are involved in brood paraticism, uh also uh known as egg dumping now. Egg dumping. When you just say that, it brings to mind like just this idea of an, of a bird that doesn't know what to do with its eggs, just like throwing them off a cliff or something. But that's not not what's going on here. This is the idea that uh, that on one hand you have the birds that are 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 laying their eggs, they're raising their young, uh, and it's a, a nice, beautiful, wonderful thing that you would see in a child's book about nature. And then you have those other birds. Those birds don't care. They don't want to look after that egg and raise that that chick and and, uh, vomit food into its mouth. They have other things to do. They have a different set of values. But they have a genetic mission like all organisms. They need their offspring to survive. So they've developed this practice of dumping eggs on these other uh, bird uh, nests, on these Mm -hmm. other uh, more stable environments, with the intention that the egg will hatch and the uh, chick will be raised in that environment.
2: And ha-ha-ha... Um, that, that poor bird in the nest, right? And we see this in seabirds. But the, pro- the thing about seabirds is that they'll deposit their eggs and then take off, and then they won't know whether or not this actually came to fruition, their, their young broad.
3: Right, and in some cases, if the egg hatches, it's likely going to be eaten by right. by the very family that they that they were dumped upon. It's not a good model, really.
2: And they have to find eggs, That are uh, species that are somewhat similar to them so that the egg can maybe squeak in there and go unnoticed at least for a while. Right.
3: Because eggs, if you're just looking at chicken eggs in the fridge, uh, you know, just the white kind that come from your supermarket, you you may miss out on this, but there is a lot of. Uh, of difference among all the different types of uh, bird eggs out there. There's different colors, different patterns. Mm-hmm. And so a bird is going to be able to tell if, uh, hey, I, I lay brown eggs and there is a blue speckled one in here. Something is off. Somebody's trying to pull one over on me.
2: It's true. And so we have birds that will do this sort of egg dumping, but they're going to take these mafia-like tactics and ensure that that egg will be taken care of, that it gets protected. And it does that vis-a-vis the own protection or destruction that it offers.
3: Right. Uh, the, the, one of the best examples of this, of course, is the, the cowbird. There are two species of cowbird you'll find uh, both in North America, and they've, they've managed to spread out um, even more from their original territory uh, due to the way that we uh, we treat our land uh, as a, as a human species. But What's remarkable here is that they are very much like that uh, that scenario we we're talking about earlier. Hey, nice store. It'd be a, it'd be a pity if something happened to it. Uh, and then <laughs> if you don't pay up, what happens? Oh, well, suddenly the the the, the front uh, window to your store is broken. Your your merchandise is thrown out in the street. Maybe something catches on fire. Mm-hmm. There's retribution if you do not obey the laws. Now, these earlier models, these uh, these seabirds we were talking about, yeah. there's no retribution. They're just right. they're just taking a risk. Maybe maybe they'll raise it. Maybe they won't. Maybe it'll hatch, and the young will, young one will will be able to squirm away before it's uh, it's pecked off as, a, as an interloper. Right. But with the cowbird, uh, there is retribution. Now, this used to be uh, just more of a, a theory than anything. I believe the original theory, the mafia theory of the cowbird, mm-hmm. came from evolutionary biologist uh, Amotz Zave, and this was back in seventy nine. Mm-hmm. But eventually, scientists put all of this to the test.
2: That's right. Jeff Hoover at the Illinois Natural History Survey in Champaign, Illinois, provided artificial nests for 180 pair of prothonotary warblers and then waited for the cowbirds to cuckold them, to deposit their eggs. Then he selectively removed the cowbird eggs. So... What happened? Pretty soon those cowbirds swooped in. They retaliated. They returned to the nest to eat or destroy the remaining warbler eggs. And what's more, warblers that had laid too early mm-hmm. for the cowbirds to cuckle them, they also suffered retribution too. Uh, their nests also got turned over and, and destroyed. And the cowbirds would routinely eat or trash these more developed eggs to force the warblers to rebuild their nest elsewhere and start over again, and hopefully have it in sync when with the the cowbirds could swoop in and deposit an egg.
3: So yeah, they came in and just totally devastated things. They uh-huh. they really drove home, and we're again we're going to anthropomorphize a little to layer that mafia understanding of this um, on the behavior. But they really come in, tear everything up, uh-huh. murder, with the strong message, hey. If you want to survive in this world, if you want to carry out the genetic mission of passing on your own genetic material and seeing that your uh, children uh, exist into the next generation, the generation behind it, the only way you're going to do it is by playing along with this little scheme of ours. You're going to have to accept it to a degree because the cost is way too high for you to pay.
2: Yeah. And to put numbers behind that cost, Hoover says that um again that this what you just described is an evolutionary state of acceptance and that the cost is that on a- average, the host birds will raise three of their own chicks when they also support a cowbird chick. Yet they raise just one of their own if a cowbird egg has been rejected. And I like this idea of it. it's an evolutionary state of acceptance. Like I gotta, I gotta accept this. These are right. the terms. It's an offer I can't refuse.
3: Yeah, and you can extrapolate that to uh, to human culture as well. That there's sort of this built-in mathematical reason uh, for why we will tolerate a certain amount of uh, of corruption, a certain amount of uh, of criminal activity, and a certain amount of just general awfulness on the part of peoples and organizations that rule over our world.
2: Yeah, and speaking of mathematical mm-hmm. models, this mafia hypothesis, which had been really controversial, was finally yeah. borne out. Uh, Maria Abu Shakra, Arne Trollsen, and Christian Hilbay, they modeled this hypothesis with cuckoo birds who were ravaging, I think they were magpie birds. And they found that this uh, theory does explain the behavior as long as two conditions are met. One that the cuckoos visit the same nest repeatedly, and two that the host birds are capable of learning. That's pretty important, right?
3: Yeah, because they also point out that they, they never establish an equilibrium here. Uh, so there are regular cycles uh, in, in terms of the frequency of mafia,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, such as we're talking about with retribution and non-mafia, no retribution, parasites, and host, and uh, the acceptance of the egg. So it, so you'll have periods where it's, it's kind of like. Did you ever read Thidwick the Big Hearted Moose by no. by Dr. Seuss? No. Fabulous story. Moose has antlers. He lets one animal live in his antlers. Then another <laughs> one's living there. And then there are more and more animals living in his antlers until he finally says enough is enough and he takes the antlers off. And he's no longer supporting all of these freeloaders. So you kind of, so inevitably you see this, this cycle. Like how, as, as it builds up, how much, uh, criminal behavior is a, is a species going to accept before yeah. they retaliate? And then it dips back down. And then which ones are going to actually, um, Come in and destroy your stuff if you throw the parasites out. So it's the the relationship has to continually um, find itself.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because um, it, there is, as you say, there's no equilibrium here. And um, when you see the host um, behavior here, it's either one of two things: conditionally they'll accept an egg, or mm-hmm. completely unconditionally. And that conditionally only occurs when there is not a large population of, um, the parasitic birds, the cuckoo parasitic birds exhibiting that mafia behavior. So in other words, they tend to be the majority.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But what happens is that the pendulum begins to swing back the other way because then the, the parasitic birds go, Hey, we need to start tipping over some nest here and let them know. <laughs> and as soon as they become the majority, the, the birds that are exhibiting that mafia tendency, then all of a sudden you have Absolutely, like unconditionally, of course. Drop your eggs, do it. I'd love to host them. Great. And why this is so important is that this means that uh, the cowbirds, they don't have to specialize uh, their, their eggs. They don't have to... Uh, change any of the dynamics and try to, you know, fit in with other species.
3: Right. They don't have to worry about the, that egg just looking completely out of place because it does.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, because the message is like, like, hey, you know, it's it's you know, we're not trying to be uh, subtle here. You know, if you uh, if you don't pay me money, I'm going to break your shop. If you don't raise this egg, which looks totally different from the other eggs, I'm going to come in and tear up your nest.
2: Man, don't you wish that dinosaur train had started with this Mafia <laughs> parasite premise? Oh man. You know cuz isn't it the, the the T-Rex has been dropped in the nest and it's That's very true. obvious to the the mom tyrannodon like, "Oh, this is not my uh kid here."
3: Yeah. Well, it is her kid.
2: Well, yes, yes. but I'm saying in in the Mafia version that hasn't come out yet.
3: Yeah. Yeah, know? it would be it would be interesting to explore the uh uh, the, the, certainly, the the uh, the animal mafia side of that uh, that family uh, dynamic.
2: Indeed, although I guess you know historically it wouldn't be necessarily accurate because we don't have evidence during that period and in the, in the fossil record to say that we would have some parasitic.
3: Well, they have that uh, character that marches bones. out uh, of the door and uh, and and explains to us
2: what's real. And what oh, right, in the dinosaur right. Dinosaur so. Yeah, the big downer, right? Yeah, yeah. the Debbie Downer. who's like, no, dinosaurs aren't <sighs> actually purple and red and green spotted.
1: Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it.
0: Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
3: All right, so there you have it. The animal mafia, the cuckoo mafia, the uh, cowbird mafia. But let's turn back just just one last time, even away from Dinosaur Train, mm-hmm. and discuss uh, the real world of human mafia. Uh, Because uh, you found a little bit of interesting uh, data about their uh, renewable energy interests.
2: Well, yeah, because, again, the mafia is a huge thing, right? It's not just a bunch of, you know, Italian men in their undershirts playing checkers. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say it goes back to the roots here in Sicily, because it turns out that the mafia is very interested in renewable energy, specifically wind farms, because, one, it fits the landscape of southern Italy, right? Yeah,
3: where they have a lot of influence and a lot of land under their sway.
2: Too, it's really easy for them to launder money yeah. through renewable energy. because you can
3: you can make a lot of money just <laughs> in renewable energy. I mean, it, it's a
2: fact. Yeah, because it's not that there's not a lot of checks and balances going on right. with that, and so as a result, you have th- this great, robust alternative energy source going on in Italy. So oh, this- also
3: government co- uh, government money flowing into it as well. You exactly, know, because yeah. ultimately that comes down to it. If 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 money's to be made off of it. The mafia is interested in it. If there's blood to come out of the host, then the parasite wants a taste.
2: And they're being smart about their money. Of course, now, people will say that doesn't make things right just because no. you know, this is going on. There, there are terrible things that are being exacted upon uh, humanity as a result. But it does make it that that whole point about um, greater resources and protection for the community uh, pretty plain an insight with this example of renewable energy making that part of Italy, which historically has been poor, flush with money,
3: yeah, you know um you watch Breaking Bad, correct? yes, you reach the point where you uh i think it's early on in one of the couple seasons where you you encounter a potential money laundering business, a uh, laser tag establishment yes i that is really colored the way I think about a lot of businesses, like if I go to a do a business and it's just a little too. Uh, dream come true. Mm-hmm. Then I start to think about, about the possibilities that it's just a money laundering front. Like, there are a few different stores. I'm not going to name any names, of course, but there are a few different stores in the Atlanta area, you know, and maybe I go inside and they just have a few mini toys for sale, or it just seems, a, seems just like a, like too much of a, a dream store, and I start no thinking. No customers. Right, and maybe there aren't that many customers, and I start, I start thinking, it's like, how is this staying afloat? This has to be some sort of a money laundering scheme.
2: Yeah, that show has completely changed my, uh, perspective of nearly everything that I encounter. In fact, I was driving through my neighborhood the other day, and a house was being tented Mm -hmm. for pest control, and I was like, oh, yeah, I know what's going on in there.
3: (laughs) Oh, Walter White, you you changed our lives.
2: You really should have invested in wind farms, though. Don't you think that would have been kind of his jam? That
3: would have been an interesting plot. I I mean, that sounds very Breaking Bad, if it were still going on. I could could easily imagine that being a plot point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I should also point out, we discussed before, that uh, wasps, uh, of course, the, the world of wasps mm-hmm. in, includes a lot of vile behavior. And uh, you'll see uh, plenty of examples of parasitic wasps laying their young inside of other nests.
2: Zombifying poor ladybugs. Yes. But al- do their bidding.
3: But also, like, uh, hatching early in alien nests mm-hmm. and then eating all the other young. So yeah. so no, no matter how bad you've got it, <laughs> uh, birds, just remember, it could be worse. You could have to put up with the wasps. Indeed. All right, so, uh, well, we thank you for putting up with us uh, and uh, joining us for the show. And if you want more, then be sure to check out StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That is our, our mothership. That's where you'll find all the episodes of the podcast. You'll find all of our video products. You'll find our blog posts as well as links out to other stuff we're up to, various social media accounts, including Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. Uh, I believe we even have a Pinterest uh, account. Uh, there's the YouTube uh, uh, channel, Mind Stuff Show. Be sure to follow us there. Uh, but just go to StuffTheBlowYourMind.com, and you will find all of those roads leading out.
2: In the meantime, if you have any mafia-tinged thoughts or strategies to share with us, you can do so at BlowTheMind at Discovery.com.